Demacian Heart by Philip Vargas, a short story from League of Legends, read to you by Prestige Edition, featuring the voice of the Sweet Sniper. The boy admired the yellow dormice root peeking through the frozen soil. It was one of hundreds growing in a tiny patch of vivid color in an otherwise barren landscape. He crouched next to the blossom and inhaled. Crisp morning air and a faint aroma greeted his nose. He reached out to pick the wildflower. Leave it be, said Vanis. The older man towered over the boy, his blue cloak stirring in the gentle breeze. Marcino stood next to him, holding an unlit torch. The three had been waiting for a while, completely unchallenged. The younger man smiled down at the boy and nodded. The boy plucked the flower and stuffed it in his pocket. Vanis shook his head and frowned. Your time with the boy has instilled bad habits. Marcino flushed at the remark, his smile disappearing. He cleared his throat and asked, Do you see anything? The boy stood and studied the row of houses across the frost-bitten field, the weathered dwellings nothing more than dilapidated shacks strewn across the hillside. Shapes and shadows moved past the cast-glass windows. There are people inside, he said. We can all see that, said Venice, his tone biting. Do you see what we're looking for? The boy searched for the smallest hint or impression. He saw nothing but the dull gray of weathered planks and hewn stone. No, sir. Vanis grumbled underneath his breath. Perhaps if we drew closer, said Marcino. The older man shook his head. These are hill folk. They'll put a spear in you before you get within twenty paces of their door. The boy shivered at the words. The southern hill folk's fierce reputation was known back in the great city. They lived in the untamed edges of the kingdom, near the disputed territories. He glanced over his shoulder and inched closer to Marcino. Light the torch, said Vanis. Marcino struck his flint, showering the oil-soaked cord with sparks. The pitch erupted in flames and chased away the brisk morning air. They didn't need to wait long. Several cabin doors opened, and a dozen men and women marched toward the group. They carried pikes and axes. The boy's hand fell to the dagger at his side. He turned to Marcino, but the man's eyes were fixed on the villagers. Steady, boy, said Vanis. The crowd stopped at the edge of the field, their ragged clothing in stark contrast to the royal blue and white finery worn by Vanis and Marcino. Even the boy's own clothes were better kept. A slight tingle ran down his spine. He touched Marcino's arm, attracting his attention, and nodded. 
The man acknowledged the signal and motioned for him to step back. There was a process to be followed. An old woman stepped out from behind the crowd. Do mage-seekers burn villages now? She asked. There's nothing here. Move on, shouted a young man with wild hair, standing next to the woman. The others joined in, jeering and barking. Hush, the woman snapped, elbowing the man in the ribs. The man winced and bowed his head. The crowd fell silent. The hillfolk were unlike anyone the boy had seen in the great city. They didn't shrink at the sight of mage-seekers in their traditional blue cloaks and half-masks of hammered bronze. Instead, they stood tall and defiant. A few fiddled with their weapons, glaring at the boy. He averted his gaze. Marcino stepped forward. A bushel of dormus root arrived in Renwall six days ago, he said, gesturing to the flowers with his torch. People sell things. People buy things. Is it different in the city? The old woman asked. The hell folk laughed. The boy nervously joined in. Even Marcino offered up a weak smile. Vanis remained unmoved. He regarded the crowd, hand on his quarterstaff. Of course not, said Marcino. But the flower is rare this time of year. We're good farmers. Good hunters, too, she said, the smile disappearing. Vanis fixed his gaze on the old woman. Aye, but the ground is frozen, and there isn't one among you who's ever worked a plow. The old woman shrugged. Things grow where they want. Who are we to say different? Vanis smirked. Aye. Plants grow, he said, as he unclipped the gray mark from his cloak. He dropped down on his haunches and held the carved stone disc over a dormus root. The petals wilted and shriveled. But they don't die at the sight of petrocyte, said Vanis, standing back up. Unless you use magecraft to grow them. The smiles disappeared from the villagers' faces. The use of magic is forbidden, said Marcino. We are all Damasian, bound by birth to honor her laws. You can't eat honor up here, said the old woman. Even if you could, your belly'd be empty, sneered Vanus. The crowd stirred at the insult and pressed in closer, coming within several paces of the mage-seekers. Marcino cleared his throat and raised a hand. The hillfolk have always honored the ways of Demacia, keeping with law and tradition, he said. We only ask you do so again today. Will the afflicted step forward? No one moved or said a word. After a moment, Marcino spoke again. If honor does not compel you, then know we have a boy here that will root out the guilty. The crowd focused on the boy. 
reproach welled in their eyes as harsh whispers flowed through their ranks. So the Ront can invoke magic without censure, but not us? asked the man who had shouted earlier. The boy shrank at the accusation. He works in service to Demacia, Marcino said, before turning to the boy. It's fine. Go ahead. He nodded and rubbed a sweaty palm on the leg of his breeches before turning to face the hill folk. Among the dirt-streaked faces stood a singular, radiating presence. A corona of light pulsated and shimmered around the mage. Only the boy could see this light, and it had been so all his life. This was his gift. This was his affliction. The rest of the villagers watched with scorn. It was the same everywhere. These people hated him for his gift. All of them, except for the old woman. Her soft eyes simply pleaded with him not to speak. The boy hung his head and looked at the ground. They all waited as the moment stretched in silence. He could feel Vanis taking measure and judging him harshly. It's all right, said Marcino, placing an encouraging hand on his shoulder. We keep the order. We uphold the law. The boy looked up, ready to point out the mage. Don't say it, boy, said the old woman, shaking her head. I'll accept it. Do you hear me? Enough of this, Vanus snapped, pushing past him, gray mark in hand. The radiant light around the mage momentarily dimmed as the crowd closed in. Wait! Quiet, boy! You had your chance. But it wasn't the woman who was afflicted. The boy turned to Marcino. It's not her, it's the other one, he said pointing to the wild-haired man standing next to the old woman. Marcino took his eyes off the hillfolk, attempting to follow the boy's gesture. But before he could fix on the threat, the man lunged at the mage-seekers. Mama! he yelled as he reached for Vanus. His hands glimmered with an emerald sheen as thorny vines bloomed from his fingertips. Vanus spun out of the way swinging his staff in a wide arc, and cracked the mage across the temple with a hefty wooden pole. The mage stumbled into Marcino, clutching him by the arm. Sharp thorns pierced his sleeve. Marcino recoiled in pain and shoved the stricken man to the ground, dropping the torch in the commotion. Flames licked the man's tunic and ignited the tatters. The woman screamed and rushed toward her son. Arms grabbed and pulled her back, holding her as she struggled. The rest of the hillfolk pressed forward, but Vanus held his ground, staff ready. Did he touch you? Marcino fumbled with his weapon, finally unhooking his scepter, his eyes glazed and unfocused. Marcino! I'm fine. Are there any more? Vanus yelled. The boy didn't answer. He remained frozen, 
gazing down at the dying mage, writhing in the flames. Bitterness rose in his throat, but he choked back the foul taste, refusing to retch. Boy! He finally snapped to attention. The fire was spreading through the field, creating a wall between them and the mob. He searched the murderous faces behind the growing flames, the heat overwhelming his senses. No! Then mount up! The boy mounted his pony. Marcino and Vanis quickly followed on their own steeds, and the three raced away from the village. The boy turned to look back. The fire roared, and the field of flowers was already wilting. Vanis had pushed them to ride well into the evening, putting as much distance between them and the hillfolk as possible. It would take three days to reach Castle Renwall. Vanis intended to mount a cohort of mage-seekers and return. The law must be upheld, he said. They bedded down shortly after dark, the rocky terrain too dangerous to navigate. The boy was relieved to have his own feet on the ground. Boys from Dregburn rarely rode horses, unless they stole them from a livery stable, and he'd never been much of a thief. He took the first watch, sitting at the base of a towering oak, back and bottom sore and stiff from hours of riding. He shifted his body, seeking a comfortable position. After a few minutes, he stood and leaned against the ancient giant. A solitary wolf howled somewhere up in the hills, and a chorus responded in kind. Or perhaps they were braggart hounds. He still couldn't tell them apart. Distant thunderheads flickered in the night sky, their rumblings so removed they never reached his ears. Overhead, stars struggled to push through drifting billows of gray. A sheet of thick fog settled over the lowlands. He threw another bundle of wood in the fire. It sent up a burst of embers that quickly died out. Ghostly voices filled the stillness in his mind. They pleaded and denied a shimmering truth as memories of the burning mage danced in the campfire. He shuddered and turned away. It had been a gruesome death. But every time those thoughts invaded his mind, he pushed them away and replaced them with all the beauty he'd witnessed since joining Vanis and Marcino. He'd been traveling with the mage-seekers for months, seeing the world outside the crowded streets of Dregburn for the first time. He'd explored the distant hills and mountains he'd once watched from the roof of his tenement. New mountains now stood before him, and he wanted to see more. Magic had made it possible. The affliction that once filled him with fear of discovery was now a gift. It allowed him to walk as a true Demacian. He even wore the blue. Perhaps someday he would also don a half-mask and a gray mark of his own, in spite of being a mage. Faint rustling broke his thoughts. He turned and found Marcino mumbling in his sleep. 
Next to him lay an empty blanket roll. The boy's heart raced at the sight. He searched the tree line for the older mage seeker. Vanis stood beneath a nearby oak, watching him. You hesitated today, he said, as he stepped out of the shadow. Made a bad showing. Was it fear or something else? The boy averted his gaze and remained silent, searching for an answer that would satisfy the mage-seeker. Vanis scowled, growing impatient. Go on, say your piece. I don't understand. What's the harm in growing Dormus root? Vanis grumbled and shook his head. Every inch given is an inch lost, he said. It's true on the battlefield and true with mages. The boy nodded at the words. Vanis regarded him for a moment. Where's your heart, boy? With Demacia, sir. Marcino stirred once again. His mumbles rapidly turned into moans until the man was struggling against his blanket roll. The boy walked over and tugged at the man's shoulder. Marcino, wake up, he whispered. The young mage-seeker twisted at the boy's touch. The moans grew louder until the man was wailing. He shook Marcino again, only more roughly this time. What's wrong? Vanis asked, looming over him. I don't know. He's not waking. Vanis pushed the boy aside and turned Marcino over. Sweat slicked his brow and temple, matting his dark hair. Marcino's eyes were open and vacant and shined a cloudy white. Vanis pulled back the heavy blanket and opened Marcino's cloak. Dark tendrils of blight marred his arm. To the boy's eyes, a radiant bloom pulsed beneath the corrupted skin. They had been riding since before first light. Vanis and the boy had managed to lift Marcino onto his horse and secured him to the saddle. The young mage-seeker had remained in a fever dream as Vanis tied Marcino's horse to his own and set off. The boy's pony struggled to keep the brisk pace, Vanis had said. Kessel Renwall was still over a day's ride away. He watched Marcino jostle with every stride. The wounded man threatened to fall over several times, but Vanis would slow down and resecure Marcino in his saddle. Every time the old mage-seeker did so, he scowled at the boy before pushing on. They reached Corvo Pass by mid-morning. Their mounts clambered up the narrow switchbacks carved into the mountainside. It would cut half a day from their travels, but the treacherous path was ill-kept, and the thick brush slowed them to a crawl. The boy squeezed his legs and clutched the reins, nervously watching the precarious drop into the deep gorge below. His pony simply trudged along, instinctively keeping them from certain death. They broke through the thicket into a flat clearing. He watched Vanis push on his stirrups, driving the horses into a canter. Marcino began inching to his right, leaning over much further than before. Vanis! 
The mage seeker reached out, but it was too late. Marcino fell over and slammed onto the ground. The boy reined up and leapt off his mount, rushing to the downed man. Vanis did the same. Blood streamed from Marcino's forehead. We need to staunch the bleeding, said Vanis. The man unsheathed his dagger and, without asking, reached out and cut a long strip of cloth from the boy's cloak. Water, said Vanis. The boy pulled his waterskin and poured a stream over the deep gash as Vanis cleaned the wound. Marcino shifted and muttered incoherently in his fevered state. The boy tried following the man's ramblings, but understood only a few words. Drink, he said, pouring drops of water over the man's dry lips. The young mage-seeker stirred, his tongue lapping at the moisture. He opened his eyes. Ruddy blotches stained the cloudy white. Are we there? Marcino asked, chest wheezing with every word. Vanis shot the boy a look. He knew not to say a thing. They were still far from reaching help. Almost, brother, said Vanis. Why build Renwall so far up a mountain? It's supposed to be hard to reach, Vanis said with a brittle smile. Marcino closed his eyes and chuckled slightly. It soon turned into a cough. Easy there, brother, Vanis said, watching the man for a moment before turning to the boy. The Dormus Root. Do you still have it? Yes. The boy dug into his pocket, drawing a straw horse, a polished river stone, and the yellow flower. He smiled at the sight, knowing the blossom would help Marcino. Vanis snatched it from the boy's hand. At least you did something right, boy. His stomach tightened at the words. Vanis was right. He had faltered, and his friend had paid the price. Marcino shook his head. It's not his fault. I should have been more careful. The older mage-seeker remained silent as he picked several petals from the dormus root. Chew on this. It's not refined, but it will help with the pain. What about the magic? Marcino asked. It quickened the growth and kept it hardy, but the plant is untainted, Vanna said, as he placed the petals in Marcino's mouth. He leaned in close and whispered in the younger man's ear, gently stroking his hair. Marcino smiled, seemingly lost in some memory. The boy took a swig from his waterskin. A slight shiver ran down his spine. The fine hair on his arms stood on edge. He turned and walked to the end of the clearing. A verdant canopy of pines covered the lowlands below. What is it? Vanis asked. I don't know. He gazed down at the valley. Nothing appeared out of place. Even the sensation had disappeared. I thought 
He stopped short. Plumes of dark smoke rose in the distance. The boy stared at the charred and smoldering husks lying in the pasture. The smell of burnt animal flesh hung in the air. His stomach rumbled. What do you think did that? he asked, tending to Marcino. The young mage seeker lay on a makeshift litter made from a blanket roll and lengths of rope. Don't know, said Vanis. Stay there and keep watch. The older mage seeker inspected the dead cattle. They all bore fist-sized puncture wounds in their thick hides. Vanis prodded one of the scorched cavities with the tip of his stave, measuring its depth. A third of the shaft disappeared. Maybe we should go, the boy said. Vanis turned to him. Do you feel anything? The boy studied the cattle. Traces of magic radiated underneath the seared flesh. Whatever had killed them was powerful enough to mutilate the immense creatures. A man couldn't fare any better, even one with a quarterstaff. The boy turned his attention to the farmstead. It held a small log cabin, a weathered barn, and an outhouse at the far end. The property was tucked against the hills, surrounded by dense forest. They never would have seen it if not for the smoke. The sound of footfalls approached. Vanis spun around and raised his staff. An old man rounded the corner of the barn. He stopped at the sight of the unannounced visitors. He wore trousers and a tunic fitted for a larger man, and he carried an old beaten halberd, its edge gleaming and sharp. What are you doing on my farm? the man asked, shifting the grip on his weapon and remaining well outside Vanus's reach. My friend's hurt, said the boy. Please, he needs help, sir. Vanus gave the boy a sidelong glance, but said nothing. The farmer looked down at Marcino. The young mage-seeker stirred in his litter, lost to a fever dream. They have healers in Renwall, the farmer said. It's over a day's ride. He'll never make it, said Vanus. A beast prowls these woods. You best rat out, the old man said, gesturing to the dead cattle. The boy glanced at the dense tree line. He sensed nothing at the moment, but he remembered the shiver he'd felt earlier. At that distance, it had to be a massive creature. What kind of beast? Is it a dragon? Steady, boy, Vanis said, as he stepped toward the farmer. You have a duty to quarter a Demacian soldier. The farmer stood his ground. You wear the blue, but a mage-seeker is not a soldier. Aye, but I was once, like you. The farmer's eyes narrowed, and he angled the spear point of his halberd in Vanus's direction. It's that pole cleaver, Vanus said 
a gut ripper of the old Thornwall halberdiers, if memory serves. Far as I can see, neither it nor this old soldier have lost their edge. The farmer regarded his weapon with a faint smile. That was long ago. Brothers are for life, said Vanis, softer this time. Help us, and we'll hunt your beast down after we're done. The boy glanced down at Marcino. The mage seeker's eyes remained shut as he drew shallow breaths. The farmer regarded Vanis, considering the offer. That won't be necessary, he finally said. Let's bring your man inside. Vanis and the farmer carried Marcino inside the cabin. A small fire burned in the fire pit, and the modest room smelled of cedar and earth. The boy cleared a table, standing in the middle of the room, tossing wooden bowls and hardtack biscuits onto a nearby sleeping pallet. The men eased Marcino down under the wooden planks. Who else is here? Vanis asked, using his dagger to cut off Marcino's tunic. I live alone, the old man said, examining the wound. The boy could see the blight had spread. Dark tendrils reached out toward Marcino's neck and heart. We have to cut it out, said Vanis. Marcino started to convulse, threatening to fall off the table. Hold him down, said Vanis. The boy pinned Marcino's legs, using his weight to secure them in place. The man thrashed against the restraint. A heavy boot kicked free and cracked the boy in the mouth. He stumbled back, nursing his jaw. I said hold him, Vanis yelled, as he wiped down the blade of his dagger. He reached for Marcino's legs again, but the farmer stepped in. It's all right, son, the man said. Try talking to him. He moved around the table. Marcino's tremors had eased, but his chest rattled with each ragged breath. Marcino? Hold his hand. Let him know you're there, said the farmer. Helps with injured animals? Men aren't much different. The boy grasped Marcino's hand. It felt warm to the touch and slick with sweat. It's gonna be all right. We got help. Marcino seemed to focus on his voice, turning towards the sound, his cloudy white gaze now a deep red. Are we in Renwall? The boy looked at Vanis, and the mage hunter nodded. Yes, the healers are working on you, the boy said. The dormant's root. It bought me some time, Marcino said squeezing his hand. You did good. You did good. The boy clenched his teeth, fighting back the grief swelling in his throat. He held Marcino's hand tighter, not wanting to let go. I'm sorry, Marcino. I should have... Don't. It wasn't your fault, Marcino said. Every word labored and pained. He strained to lift his head, 
searching the room with eyes that could no longer see. Venice. Right here, brother. Tell him. Tell him it's not on him. Vanis fixed his stare on the boy. Aye, bad luck is all, he finally said. See? Marcino said, offering a wan smile. You don't need to carry it. Vanis gripped Marcino's shoulder and leaned in close to the man's ear. We need to cut it out, brother, Vanis said. Marcino nodded his head. He'll need something to bite on, said the farmer. The boy unsheathed his dagger, the carved wooden handle perfectly suited for the task. He placed it in Marcino's mouth. Good, Vanis said, holding his own blade inches from the wounded arm. The tendrils slithered beneath the skin. To the boy's eyes, they radiated a soft, pulsating light the others couldn't see. Stop, he said. Vanis looked up at the boy. What is it? Marcino bit down on the dagger's handle and released a stifled scream. He squeezed the boy's hands and thrashed against the table until the movement underneath his skin subsided. The blight stretched across Marcino's neck. It's too deep, said Vanis. I can't cut it out. The mage seeker stepped back, unsure of what to do next. What if you burn it out? The boy asked. You can't cauterize that close to the artery, Vanis said. He turned to the old man. Do you have any medicinals? Nothing that would help that. Vanis gazed down at his injured partner, weighing something in his mind. What about a healer? he asked, the words no louder than a whisper. They would have medicinals, but the closest one. Not that kind of healer. The old man remained silent for a moment. I don't know anyone like that. It appeared Vanis wanted to push the matter, but he bit his tongue and searched the cabin instead. The boy followed the mage seeker's gaze. He found a stack of hides in one corner, a netted hammock in another, and a carver's workbench crowded with dozens of wooden drakes against a wall. Nothing that would help. The cattle, said Vanis. The farmer blanched at the mention of the dead livestock. What of them? Did they ever suffer from tineal worm? Yes. We burn it out with a pulvis of lunar caustic. If we cut the source and use a thin band of the pulvis for the rest, it might work, Vanis said. Where is it? The farmer looked out the window. He seemed to hesitate perhaps trying to remember where to search in all the clutter. A deep guttural sound rose from Marcino's throat. He violently convulsed and teetered toward the edge of the table, dagger clenched between his teeth. 
Vanus held the wounded man down by the shoulders. Where's the pulvish? The farmer wrestled with Marcino's flailing legs. It's in the barn, but... Marcino wailed. I got it, the boy said, as he turned and ran outside. Crisp mountain air rushed past his face as he raced toward the barn, his heat building in his legs and lungs. The barn door was less than twenty paces away when a shiver ran down his spine. He slid to a stop. The surrounding forest stood dark and silent. He searched the dense thicket for the slightest hint of magic, but found nothing in the brush. Steam and smoke still rose from the smoldering heaps in the pasture. The tingling sensation spread across his back. There was something nearby. He needed to warn Vanus, but knew better than to shout. Should he go back? Another agonizing scream erupted from within the cabin. Marcino needed him to be brave. He took a deep, sobering breath and darted to the outbuilding. His trembling hands fumbled with the latch until he finally got the door open, then he slammed it shut behind him. A jolt rushed down his spine. He stumbled back and fell, crashing into a rack of ditching tools. Shovels and spades clattered on the floor. It was inside the barn. The boy reached for his dagger, but found the sheath empty. He had given it to Marcino. A silvery brilliance radiated from one of the stalls. He tried to stand, but his legs refused to act. The glow flourished as a shape exited the stall and rounded the corner. He had never witnessed a light so blinding. It distorted the very air in waves of colors. The shape approached. A droning rose in his ears like an army of nettle bees swarming inside his head. The boy scrambled back, one hand shielding his eyes as the other searched the ground for a weapon. He found nothing. The world vanished behind a sheet of light and color. A sound tried to break through the hum as the shape pushed through the radiant glow. His mind struggled to piece it together until a single utterance made everything clear. Papa! With a word, the entire world resolved back into place. It was a little girl. She stared at him, eyes wide in fear. The corona around her flared brighter again. It pulled at the boy, compelling him to reach out and touch its radiance. Who are you? She asked. I'm... I'm Silas. He rose to his feet, holding out his hand. I won't hurt you, if you don't hurt me. The girl balled her hands and pressed them to her chest. I would never hurt anyone, she said, her gaze falling to her feet. Not on purpose. The boy recalled the cattle in the pasture. He pushed the thought away and focused on the golden-haired child. She seemed tiny and lost, 
even here in her own home. I believe you, he said. It's not always easy. The light around her dimmed, and the pull on him diminished. She looked up at the boy. Have you seen my papa? He's inside the house, helping my friend. She timidly reached out to grasp his hand. Take me to him. He drew back. You can't go inside, he said. Is something wrong with Papa? No, it's... He's helping a mage seeker. The little girl recoiled at the word, and the inside of the barn brightened once again. She understood the danger. Are you a mage seeker? She asked, her voice quivering. The question wrenched at something deep inside the boy. No, he said. I'm like you. The girl smiled. It was genuine and warmed his heart in a way that no praise from a mage seeker ever had. Another scream came from the main house. Papa? It's my friend. I need to go back, he said. Can you hide until we're gone? Can you do that? The girl nodded. Good, he said. Do you know where the lunar caustic is? She pointed to a clay jar sitting on a narrow shelf. The boy snatched the container and bolted from the barn. Another agonizing wail broke as he approached the cabin. He pushed harder for the last few steps and burst through the door. I found it, he said, holding the jar like a prize in hand. Silence filled the room. Vanus was staring at Marcino's lifeless body. Only the farmer turned toward the door. There was fear and resentment in the old man's eyes. It was the same the boy had seen in all those desperate souls trying to hide their affliction. The old man slowly reached for his halberd, his gaze sweeping from the boy to Vanus, who still hadn't moved or said a word. The boy shook his head, silently imploring the man to stop. The farmer paused and looked toward the barn before looking back at the boy. He offered the father a reassuring smile. The old man regarded him for a moment, and then rested his weapon against the wall. Vanus finally snapped from his trance. What took you so long? the mage-seeker asked. It's not the boy's fault. Your friend was too far gone. Vanus stepped back from the body and sat down on the sleeping pallet. The cur is the reason we're here, he sneered. He's one of them, you know, pretending to be normal. Your friend didn't believe so, said the farmer. Honor that memory. Vanus looked away from Marcino's body. He fixed his attention on the dozens of carver's tools and wooden figures strewn about the floor beneath the hammock. 
She was a young fool who felt things far too deeply, he finally said. Vanus fell into a deep silence after that, his thoughts seemingly elsewhere. The farmer and the boy joined him in the uncomfortable stillness, unsure of what to do next. So it'll be the two of us hunting the beast, then? Vanus asked the old man. It's not necessary, said the farmer. Tend to your friend. I have a wagon. It's yours. Doesn't seem proper to leave you here alone, said Vanus. I'd be abandoning a brother. The mage seeker's voice carried a subtle sharpness that made the boy uneasy. Sorrow transformed into suspicion. The grieving mentor had become the interrogator once again. I'll manage, said the farmer. Been doing so since my days wearing the blow. Of course, Vanus said, smiling. The mage seeker leapt from the cot, rushed the farmer, and slammed him against the wall, his dagger tip poised inches from the man's throat. Where is it? What? the farmer asked, his voice trembling and confused. Your beast! It's in the woods! There's a bed down in your cabin at night! What? Your hammock, said Vanus, gesturing to the netted cord. Spend enough time on campaign, and it becomes your best friend. Vanus pressed the dagger to the man's flesh. So why the cot? It belonged to my daughter, said the farmer. His gaze momentarily flicked to the boy. She passed last winter. The boy looked at the sleeping pallet. It was built for a child. But it wasn't only the cot. There was a wooden bowl and spoon, and a practice sword too small for a grown man. If he could see through the lie, then... Let's visit her grave, said Vanus. We can't, said the farmer, averting his eyes in shame. The beast took her. Like it took your cattle, Vanus sneered. I wager if we search carefully, we'll find it on your farm. There's nothing here, the boy said. We should go. What did you see on that table, boy? He stared at Marcino's body, the blood-stained eyes wide and lifeless. The blighted tendrils had choked off his neck and webbed his face. What do you see? Marcino. I see Marcino, he said, the words choking his throat. A mage seeker boy! One of my own, Vanus said, anger and pain seeping from each word. What is he to you? Marcino had been the only mage seeker that showed him kindness. He had accepted him as a true Demacian despite his affliction. He was my friend. I and he was killed by a mage, Vanus said. This man. Hides one from us! 
A dangerous one! The boy remembered the intense glow of the little girl and the scorched flesh of the dead cattle. What do we do? Vanis asked. The boy wiped the corners of his eyes with his sleeve. We keep the order. We uphold the law. Vanis led the boy and the farmer outside, driving them with his staff. The three stood in the pasture, watching the barn and the outhouse. He jabbed the man in the ribs with the stave. Call your daughter! The farmer winced at the blow. She's not here, he said. She's gone. We'll see. The old man looked at the boy, silently pleading. I'll search the barn, the boy said. No, let her come to us. Vanis slammed the farmer's head with the edge of his staff, driving the man to the ground. Come out! We have your father! There was no response, no movement. And then the man wailed. The boy turned to find the farmer tottering on one knee, clutching his temple. Blood pooled underneath the man's fingers, slicking his hand with blood. Vanis stood over him, ready to strike again. What are you doing? What needs to be done? said Vanis, his face contorted by anger and grief. A jolt raced down the boy's spine, and once again, all the fine hair on his arms and neck stood on edge. The barn door creaked open. That's right. Come on, Vanis said. Darkness framed the doorway. Tiny footfalls approached. The little girl crossed the threshold and stepped outside. Her panicked eyes fixed on her injured father. Papa, she said, tears cascading down her face. It's all right, the bleeding farmer stammered. Papa's just talking to these men. They all watched as the child inched toward them. The men were unaware of what only the boy could see. She glowed like the midday sun. The power inside her pulsated and shifted colors. It shimmered with a radiance that appeared to bend light itself. She was a living rainbow. This was his affliction. This was his gift. He alone could see the fundamental beauty and nature of magic. It lived in this frightened child as it lived in every single mage in Demacia, and perhaps all across the world. How could he betray that? The boy had seen all he needed to see. She's normal. Are you sure? Look again. He turned to the mage-seeker. To Demacia, Vanus was a venerated bulwark, guarding against the threat of magic. But to the boy, he was a simple man 
clinging to tradition. You were wrong. We should go. Vanis regarded him for a moment, searching for deception. The mage seeker shook his head and scowled. We'll see if she passes the trials, he said, removing the gray mark from his cloak. The farmer's eyes went wide at the sight of the petrocyte emblem. Run, child! Run! The old man shouted as he leapt to his feet and lunged at Vanis. The mage seeker moved fast, thrusting his staff into the farmer's midsection. The man staggered back from the blow, creating some distance between the two. Vanis darted forward and drove the stave down onto the man's head. His crown shattered in a bloom of crimson. The little girl screamed. Her hands crackled with sparks of lightning, this time for all to see. Vanis held out his gray mark, capturing the flickering arcs in the stone and suppressing the magic. But the petrocyte rapidly darkened and cracked, overwhelmed by the little girl's power. Vanis dropped the ruined disc and spun around, swinging his wooden staff at the child's head. No! The boy rushed toward the girl, throwing himself between the heavy quarterstaff and the flaring streams of light. The hairs on his arms singed and his fingers blistered as he touched the little mage. The twisting arc of lightning pierced his hand, and a blazing current rushed through his flesh, contorting his entire body. The boy's heart clenched, and all the air inside him rushed out. He gasped for breath, but drew only emptiness. The edges of his vision blurred, and the colors drained as deathly magic flooded him. Vanis appeared motionless, staff in mid-swing, like ancient statuary depicting a hero of old. The little girl was also frozen, her tears dull crystals as the radiant glow around her dimmed and faded. And then his lungs filled with air. His heart raced, pumping a numbing calmness throughout his body. The blaze inside him remained, but no longer threatened to consume him. Instead, it flowed calmly throughout, and for the briefest moments it felt malleable to his thoughts. Then it suddenly sparked and flared hotter until he could no longer contain it inside. Light erupted from his hands, and the world disappeared. Silas opened his eyes. Three smoldering husks lay strewn on the scorched ground. One of them held a warped and splintered staff in hand. The other two had fallen near each other, their arms splayed and reaching, but forever apart. His eyes welled at the sight of his failure, and regret gripped his heart. He rolled over onto his back and shuddered. Countless stars stretched across a cloudless firmament. He watched them arc across the darkness and disappear behind a black canopy of trees. The night sky turned a purple hue before he finally staggered to his feet. 
His legs trembled as he limped away from the carnage. He stopped after a short distance, but didn't look back. There was no need. Those images would remain with him for the rest of his life. He pushed them from his thoughts and gazed at the spine of mountaintops spanning the horizon. He had no intention of riding to Renwall or any of their strongholds. No amount of pleading would save him from their punishment. In time, they would seek him out, not stopping until he was brought to justice. After all, the law must be upheld. But he knew their ways. And Demacia was vast. I'd like to thank The Sweet Sniper for this week's collaboration. You can find me at twitch.tv slash thesweetsniper. All credit for these stories goes to Riot Games and League of Legends. Full details can be found in the video description. If you enjoyed this production, please hit like and subscribe. There's a lot more coming.